Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about archery, slip and slides, and just everything in between. This week, we're covering episode five of The Courtship and episode five of Temptation Island. So much to dig into. But first, of course, let's gossip. Gossip was like kind of light this week, I think, because at least two-thirds of Bachelor Nation was simply planning their outfits for Coachella. Everyone was at Coachella. The number of just, like, mesh dresses that were on my Instagram feed, (laughs) I was not prepared. (laughs) I have never felt older. I know. But also, look, I do, I have been really enjoying all of the the sartorial statements that we are seeing out here and and all of the (laughs) branded experiences that seem to exist at Coachella. It's like influencer's paradise. HBO basically seems to have taken over half of the area (laughs) with its various (laughs) like branded pop-ups. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been quite a spectacle. I feel like it's been a while since I've really seen like an influencer festival firestorm like this thanks to COVID. Like I, I had forgotten what it's like to have them all like converge on a festival and Post their I festival know. outfits. You're like, ah, there's Brie and her hot boyfriend oh my God. hanging out with so Nick cute. and his hot girlfriend Natalie. It's just an embarrassment of riches of beautiful, beautiful people. Brie doesn't just, post much. Brie Springs, of course, from Matt James's season, was a, a she made it to like what top three on his season. Yes. And and 
never went on another Bachelor show because she just met a really hot man and is living her life. And she doesn't post his face, really, but she posted some really cute photos of them from Coachella. Yeah, I was very excited. She was wearing some really cute outfits, and he was very cute, too, and wearing a bucket hat. And I just, I loved it. If you can pull off a bucket hat, I mean, that <laughs> exactly. takes— That takes skill. Takes a lot. We also saw Katie Thurston and John Hersey hanging out with Deeps and Kyle from Love is Blind again, just helping fuel that, are they dating? Are they just good friends gossip? I love it. I love the crossover. They, all four of them, looked absolutely adorable. And I think my favorite thing about Katie's Coachella content is that um, the other night she was doing a an influencer like Q&A and someone asked, aren't you still at Coachella? And she said, yes, but I'm actually at the hotel right now in bed. And I sent John, who's a few years younger, off to continue to enjoy Coachella. But I'm 31 and I'm tired. And I was yeah. like, Katie, I relate to you. I see you. And I truly respect this move. People, you know, it's, it's, no one says it anymore, but it's true. You hit 30 and your whole body is just like, we've had enough. If you turn your neck wrong now, it's going to hurt for five days and you can't stay out after 2 a.m. I also just feel like normalize going to the parts of multi-day experiences that you can actually enjoy. Know when you need to go to bed and embrace that and enjoy the parts that you can. I also noted that uh, I think Nick and Natalie left a day early also. Natalie yeah. was like, we're going home to our dog. It's been real. I definitely want to normalize not feeling like you have to go to Coachella. I want all influencers to feel comfortable. Yeah, you don't have to go to Coachella, but if you are offered a free VIP experience at Coachella, also feel free to just go to half of it. (laughs) Yeah. That is the energy that I crave in my social experiences. I want VIP levels of experience, and then I want to be able to leave. Yes. Yes. Boundary, setting a healthy boundary around exactly. your time. Um, this is like a very small piece of gossip in a way, but given the context, caused a, quite a flutter for me, and I think among Bachelor Nation, because, of course, Tasha Adams got engaged to Zach Clark on her season, and then they broke up in the fall. There was a lot of speculation about why. It seemed very sudden. What happened? They haven't really been engaging with each other much since then that I've seen. But Taisha recently posted a, a, a photo on Instagram about spending Easter in New York, and he liked it. And people were like, what does this mean? What does it mean? Are they back together? Are they talking again? Are they working toward a reconciliation? And look, I'm just going to say that this is reading a lot into one like Yeah. Uh, We know that people like photos all the time of people they're not romantically involved in. People creep on their ex's IG stories constantly with no (laughs) intention of getting back together. So I want to say that this is not really a sign of anything necessarily. And on the other hand, we can dream. (laughs) (laughs) I just want them to be happy uh, together. In whatever, yeah, together or apart. uh, Together or apart. But I will admit, I did go immediately and look back at several of both of their recent pictures and check the likes. And I think that was the only one. Yeah, so, I, I did that, too. I was like, until Tasha's liking his photos, like, none of this, none of this is real. 
Like, but I do love to see Tasha in New York City, and I'm glad that oh, she's yeah. still living here. Always. Um, some other Bachelor Nation relationships that might be moving toward an engagement this year. Yeah, there's been some engagement chatter within Batch Nation. First, between Kaylin and Dean, who I feel like have been circling the engagement conversation for a while. Everyone in Bachelor Nation, like, gets really concerned when a couple has been together more than six months and has not committed to an engagement. Like, it's like we've been warped by the, the incredibly insane timelines of the shows. The people are like... Dean has made Kaylin basically an old maid at this point if he doesn't propose. Like, what is happening? What's normal in Bachelor Nation is to get engaged immediately and then stay engaged for, like, five years. Like, so many of these people just stay engaged for a very long time. And, you know, which is fine. But it's interesting because it's actually in in most of our relationships, I think, in the real world, like, that's not the most common way to go about it, to get engaged <laughs> after, like, three months and then to stay engaged for five years. <laughs> Bit of a reversal. But um, Dean has been taking on these questions for a while. Are you going to propose to Kaylin live on the show? Are you going to propose to Kaylin at all, ever? What are you waiting for? She's doing van life with you, and you're not even making an honest woman out of her. <laughs> and he has said in the past that he would like Kaylin to propose to him. And the other day, she responded to this on a YouTube Q&A she was doing with fans, uh, saying that at first she thought he was just trying to get a reaction by saying that in his Dean way. But she has come to feel that they should both be proposed to because they're in a partnership and they should both get to have that moment. I really love that. And I feel like this is a thing that I've seen happening more and more, not just, like, within celebrity culture, but, like, among people that I know. This idea that, like, it's not, like, both people should be able to feel chosen regardless of gender identity. And, yeah, I I enjoy that little bit of kind of breaking gender roles. Um, And I support the idea of a man also being chosen by the woman that he's dating, um, and I think that this is very sweet. I actually really like Dean and Kaylin's relationship. They yeah. seem great together. And I want to say that this double proposal is what Jacqueline Trumbull, who was on Ari season and is a friend of the pod, and her fiancé Paul Selly did because they just both really like surprises and really <laughs> like reasons to celebrate. And so they were like, we both deserve this. Yeah. And it was so sweet. Yeah. And I think that this is, I think this is a cool thing. Yeah, I've had some friends who have done this. I definitely floated it with Greg and he was like, no, please don't propose to yeah, me. Yeah, like, not saying like you have to want that, <laughs> but I like that it's being talked about. I have a couple friends who have done this I as was well. like, you're limiting my ability to have feminist cred <laughs> by proposing to you and getting you a really nice ring, but like, fine. But I guess that's your choice. Uh yeah, and I mean, so Dean and Kaylin met on season six of Bachelor in Paradise, and that was in 2019. They've only been together for, like, two and a half years. Like, please let them breathe. You're like, it's okay. Let them live. <laughs> They're fine. I'm sure that if and when they want to get engaged, they will. Yeah. And we should just let them live their lives and enjoy their seemingly wonderful relationship. Meanwhile, let's talk about a couple who aren't engaged even though they met on Bachelor in Paradise less than a year ago. Uh, Yeah, time is running the fuck out for Thomas and 
Becca Kufrin. Yeah, the former Bachelorette made made history by being the first former lead to go on Bachelor in Paradise. She met Thomas. They broke up on the show, but then immediately got back together in real life and have been having this very sweet, uh, pretty public romance ever since then. He's, like, yeah. been on tour with her for Bachelor Live on stage. They're they're very cute. He seems absolutely obsessed with her, and the feeling seems mutual. And I love that for her. And something I also love for her is that Thomas was recently on Clickbait, and he was talking to the host about the fact that he and Becca, I think, had helped um, Tia's boyfriend plan that proposal, which did happen publicly on the Bachelor Live stage. And so they were like, so did that get you thinking, you know, about (laughs) proposing to Becca? And he was like, yeah, of course, I've been thinking about that. But, like, he did say that when he does propose, he knows it's going to be small and intimate. Like, he'll have a photographer there, but he's not going to have Bachelor Nation there. It is not going to be, quote, another grand spectacle. And, like, that makes a lot of sense, (laughs) Becca has already gotten publicly on TV engaged to Garrett Irigoyen and Ari Leyendijk. And, like, yeah. those did not go well. And yeah. I do think that she maybe deserves to have a moment that isn't viewed and picked apart by millions of yeah. TV Maybe fans. it's time to take a different approach. Yeah, it's not exactly. Out. I do think that um, he gives, like, a huge— He's, like— who knows when this will happen? Like, I do know what kind of ring she wants. She wants a ginormous, elongated cushion diamond. I I know that that's what she wants. Uh, do I know if I have one in a safety lockbox in my room? I don't know. Time will tell. We'll have to find that one out later this year. <laughs> I was like, it's already mid-April, Thomas. He just gave like, himself a pretty tight timeline for proposing. Yeah, he's like, uh, probably it will happen in the fall or, like, around the holidays this year is what yeah, I'm getting from this statement. It's, it's like when I, like, basically gave Greg a timeline to propose and he waited until the last day. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's happening today, friends. My last day of being just a girlfriend. He had a year and he... Yes, he took um, that year, he took that year <laughs> as he should. Um, so very happy for them that things are going well. Uh, we also got just a little glimpse into what's going on with Rachel and Gabby on what's being referred to by some as the Windeckia season of The Bachelorette. I it. That seems like a good portmanteau. I, I would love for them to have their own couple name. Mike Fleiss posted uh, a photo of them during filming. They look very beautiful, and also, as some have pointed out, they look, like, a little exhausted <laughs> because they are now really deep into filming, and they are probably tired of posing for these photos so that Mike Fleiss can get his, you know, Twitter retweets. But they looked very beautiful, and they appeared to be on the deck of a cruise ship. And I did get confirmation. I have a, a very good friend's boyfriend um, who works for Virgin, and he did confirm that, yeah, they have been filming on a Virgin, giant Virgin cruise ship around Europe. They're, like, popping off for little day trip dates. Uh, and that's why it turns out that when they launched this round of cruise ships, um, I was invited by these this couple 
to go to like, they were having like one of their kind of like opening launch events when the boat was docked in New York. And so I actually got to go and like eat at a couple of the restaurants on the boat and like run around. And these ships are fucking massive, like just unbelievably large and opulent and have incredible food. There was a full basketball court running track, like tons of bars, tons of restaurants. And so I actually find it kind of amazing that they are just going around Europe with just the crew and a very small number of men, because we know by the time they start going to Europe, they've like whittled down the numbers. So I would imagine they have a lot of space. Even if it was all 30, that would be a fraction of the set. I do wonder if cruise ships are, I wonder if the industry is still suffering from the fact that they became known as just like floating COVID centers. Oh, I'm sure that they, they're just like, like, we're not filling up our ships. Let's advertise them on The Bachelorette. Yeah, it's going to be a great advertisement and like, great. Then they just have, they have to be bought out for that entire period of time. Like, that is fantastic for I mean, I bet that they did not, I bet that The Bachelor did not buy out that cruise ship. I'm sure they did not pay full price. uh, I would would be surprised if they paid at all. That's also true. I guess they do have a a strong track record of like trading or advertising. So... Yeah, I, I, I believe that they could wangle that trip for free. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, but I will just yeah. say, I'm really not a cruise person. I hate Same. the idea of being trapped anywhere. It freaks me out. I've never willingly gone on a cruise. But this cruise ship was really nice. There is nothing you could show me of a cruise ship that would make me actively want to take a cruise. But I did go on a European cruise when I was young. My grandma loved to travel and she would take all of her grandchildren on, like, sort of individual cruise trips. I actually ended up going with my two cousins. And that's even more fun. It was, like, both fun and awful in a way, because I get violently seasick. So I had to use motion sickness patches that made my vision blurry the whole time. So I couldn't, like, see anything. Oh, my God. I hope (laughs) none of these men get seasick. That's awful. I know. I mean, it's like the motion is imperceptible, but you can still get seasick from it, apparently. Um, But we went on, like, a Baltic cruise. And it was amazing to just be able to experience so many different locations, these, like, beautiful, beautiful locations without having to, like, pack up your hotel room every two days. I think it's honestly really smart. For The Bachelor. Yeah. Because it does allow them to keep people's stuff kind of in one place, easily access a bunch of different locations, and not have to pause filming for travel days. Like, I think it's very smart. I kind of can't believe they've never done it before. I agree. It was going to say, like, how did they not think of this before? I wonder if it was just not possible because the cruise industry was not suffering. Yeah. So they were like, no, this is prime season for us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see this season. Every little taste makes me more and more angry that it's not until July. We'll just have to subsist on these photos until then. Um, And I think that's it for gossip. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about episode five of The Courtship. Can you keep up? I like, love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about 
is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily, I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article, that lovely chair out on my deck, article, our big console, article, I'm my bed frame, article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want 
the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back, and it's time to talk about The Courtship, of course, everyone's favorite Regency reality dating show. I am so much more invested in this show now that we have met the magical, beautiful Nicole Remy. I know. She was such a delight. If you haven't heard our interview with her from last week, I really recommend it. She's lovely. And it was great to because she's so, like, kind on the show. It was almost nice to hear some more unfiltered reactions to some of the suitors uh, during our conversation. And also I'm getting more invested as the thing that we all need is really emerging, which is a villain. Like, we need to get to know some of these guys enough to hate them. And for exactly. me, that's, that's starting to happen. Mr. Saffa, like, became a villain and immediately was gone. But now we're getting, like, a real long hauler. I am really feeling that Mr. Bokikio is going to be the Mr. Wickham. I I feel that way now. And then I'm like, am I calling it too early? We still have a lot of season left. But he's giving major Wickham vibes uh, at this point. We start, actually, with this episode with the women the three uh, young ladies discussing Mr. Bokikio. They're in their coordinated pastel gowns, like three sort of scoops of gelato with three little matching top hats I- perched on top more, of their dues. More of a sorbet color palette, <laughs> but I'll give you the gelato. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're right. It is very sorbet. They look very refreshing. And Mrs. Baker, uh, Nicole Remy's sister, is really on Mr. Bokikio's team at this point. She's like, the passion between you two on the dance floor was nothing short of magical, but he also needs to step up more and and express his feelings to you. Meanwhile, the men are doing what they do when they're just hanging out, which I guess is taking off their linen shirts and whipping around ropes to make sure that their muscles pop for Ms. Remy later. And they will be popping from his Remy later because we learn the activity will be an archery tournament. With a special guest mm. who happens to be Nicole's incredibly sexy older brother. He is Mr. So Dominique Remy. He's so hot. I was startled. I know. I kept writing like, he's so handsome. I don't understand. (laughs) Uh, Nicole understood that this would be the reaction because the first thing she says is like, sorry, ladies, my brother is married and he's expecting a baby. I think I actually did stalk his Instagram. They had a little boy a few months ago and his name is Toussaint, I think. Um, Very cute. Very, very adorable. Wow. I will be marking that to go on a (laughs) nice little Instagram rabbit hole later myself and just look at many photos of Dom. I promise I'm not a creep. Yeah. It's just just my right as a a podcaster. We're just appreciative. Um, Exactly. And 
his role now that he's arrived is to to do what older brothers in the Regency apparently did always, which was be fiercely protective of their younger sisters' hearts and hands and minds and bodies. And hopefully do that in a more effective way than, say, Antony Bridgerton, who <laughs> really screwed it up and almost trapped Daphne in a marriage with a really horrible suitor who tried to assault her. So yeah. I don't know. The track record of Regency-era older brothers remains mixed for me. I love personally that the way that we recast this romantically, not as like older brothers had a lot of power and control over who their <laughs> younger sisters married. And it becomes, they were such wise and loving guardians of their sisters' happiness. And thank God that women in the Regency had older brothers to save them from making their own decisions. <laughs> and fortunately for Ms. Remy, she is now in that position. You know what? Dom seems like a, a guy with good judgment. And he's ready to see if any of these gentlemen are good enough for his sister. The parents have left. Dom's in charge. And the suitors actually seem even more afraid of him. There's, a, there's something that keeps coming up throughout his time on this episode which is the idea that he knows what kind of shit young men get up to better than anyone else present. They're like, like there is a snitch in the locker room <laughs> and I cannot speak freely about women's bodies. Like, that is the vibe that these men are giving off. There's truly something about, it's like the way that that men will be like, I'm not letting anyone date my daughter because I know how young men are. Like, there's no one more sexist than a guy who is around other guys. <laughs> and it's just like, we are the worst. Like, and I enjoyed it when it was about, when it was, you know, other people's daughters. But now that it's my daughter and sister, right. I'm like, oh, we are really terrible. Like, no one has lower expectations of young men than other men. And so Dom is here to to really root out the bastards. And the archery tournament is going to be the first place that this happens um, as they as they all step up to use what look like real, really sharp arrows to take aim at the target. Were you concerned? I was concerned. I really... It's a weird thing. I actually think that archery seems really fun. I've always wanted to do it. When I was little, I would always ask for, like, toy bows and arrows mm -hmm. as a kid, and I would play with them in the basement. I read a lot of, like, fantasy novels about young women who, like, use a bow and arrow to defend themselves, because uh, that's the kind of nerd I was. But when you see them on screen, I'm always like, this is about to turn into one of those gags where someone gets an arrow in the butt. I feel like it's just a, a set. It's like a Chekhov's gun. Someone is about is. to get shot with an arrow. <laughs> if you're afraid to watch this episode... Let me set your mind at rest. We do not see anyone get shot with an arrow. So everything seems to have turned out okay. <laughs> Although Mr. Edwards in his commentary is like, of course, in the Regency era, like a man would be impaled instantly for taking liberties with a another gentleman's younger sister. Like, okay. <laughs> like we understand. Everyone takes their their turn. All the men are genuinely like, I'm gonna be so good at archery because I'm competitive. That's all it takes. Yeah. A competitive spirit. And then yeah. you have a very specific skill set. <laughs> how things work. Captain Kim is like, I I was in the military, so I think it's in my bloodline to be good at archery. A lot of questionable theories. Like, okay. I mean, sure. 
<laughs> Ms. Remy takes a turn with the bow, and as she's messing around with it, Mr. Judge steps in to guide her hand. Very ghost. As we know, <laughs> men out here just love to mansplain things that they have no actual expertise in. And this is just a prime opportunity. He literally says, I can't shoot a bow very well, but at least I know how to teach her. How can you teach her something you don't know how to do? Because she's just but a silly woman. Yeah, no matter how bad you are at something, if you're a man, you can still teach it to a woman. It's also the opportunity, of course, to cradle the woman with your body as you guide her hand, thus emphasizing your relative hugeness and protective quality. Meanwhile, Dom is checking in on some of the guys, especially a handful of men that his parents asked him to pay special attention to, Mr. Bokikio and the two new guys, Dr. Hatem and Mr. Judge. First up, Dr. Hatem, who speaks about getting his pilot's license and how his future is going to involve living in a bunch of different countries. And Dom is like, okay, so where does my sister fit in or like a partner in general? And Dr. Hatem is like, I don't really know, but yeah, we'll see. That's for future Dr. Hatem to figure out. Don't worry about that. Well, Dom does not seem impressed by this answer. Like, sir, you have utterly failed the assignment. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mr. Judge makes a great impression because he's just like, I love relationships and all I do is just invest in relationships and, and never leave them. And that's just the kind of guy I am. As a as a protective older brother, of course, Dom is thrilled to hear this. And then while he has Mr. Hunter and Mr. Holland chatting with him, he takes a moment to ask some of the other guys about Mr. Bokikio. And of course, of course, they take this opportunity to talk some shit. Just yeah. subtly, subtly plant some seeds, or not so subtly. Mr. Um, Hunter is just like, Mr. B is taking liberties when he has not earned the right to do so. (laughs) I was like, what does that require, sir? Like, Nicole is involved in these kisses. They're not, like, against her will. There is an interesting, vague idea of a threshold at which you've earned something like a public kiss. We see this later when someone kisses Nicole during the farewell ball. And the reaction is not outraged in the way that it was with Mr. Bokikio. But there's no clear criteria that I've seen as to when it's permissible. Certainly it's not simply whether Ms. Remy is okay with it. It's more of a we-know-it-when-we-see-it sort of thing. Like, does this guy seem like he's well-qualified right now to kiss Ms. Remy in front of her parents? If yes, that's great, and he's a gentleman. (laughs) If not, he is a cad and should be drummed out. And, like, I say all this even though I also think Mr. Rokikio is a cad, so maybe I'm sort of a hypocrite. Like, I, too, feel that I know it when I see it. I think he's obnoxious, but that—the public kissing isn't really the problem for me. It's more the, like, private manipulation of Ms. Remy's emotions. And so I I feel like these dudes might be kind of circling the correct villain, but their reasoning is not sound. 
Yeah, I wonder if that's just the thing that they can, like, put a finger on. It's like, we're all supposed to not kiss her without permission in front of her parents, and he's doing it anyway. And maybe they're just getting a bad feeling. Uh, But meanwhile, Mr. Bokikio has stolen Ms. Remy away for a private moment, and she asks him how he felt about being on the dance card. And he's basically like, I wasn't worried. Like, we have the best chemistry of anyone here. So it just wouldn't make sense for you to send me home. And Nicole's like, yeah, that's true. I was like, you're too nice. Like, he's so, it's like, there's no humility here. He's so sure of how you feel about him. I would be a little put off by that. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm I'm lining up, I'm lining up my critiques of Mr. Bokikio. Um, Dom joins them and he asks Mr. Bokikio about himself and he replies that he sells real estate in New York and he has a lot of confidence in himself and he just wants to incorporate a plus one into his life. Dom is like, ah, oh, that sounds like you're saying that you want a woman to be like just attached and adjacent yeah. to you and your life. And Danny's like, no, 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 no. I'm not good with my words, but I'm really ready to settle down. I'm really ready to build a relationship. Okay, good, good. But then for like kind of no reason, he says, but I can't promise it will happen in two months. Like, Nicole, is this, do you you want marriage? Is that important to you? And Nicole's face just falls. How did you feel about this exchange? Because I was conflicted about it. It was so bizarre to me because <laughs> first of all he says I I haven't had a chance to ask you Nicole and I've like I was like well you've had a lot of opportunities to shame her for dating 11 other guys maybe you could have used one of those moments to be like here's what I'm looking for what are you looking for out of this process but instead he's going to do it now in front of her brother yeah, in that part was awkward extremely setting. bizarre to me. And then when she ma- when her face makes it clear that this is not a satisfying answer to her, or you know that that the way he presented it is disheartening to her, he's just like, oh, okay, oh, interesting. Oh, okay, so yeah, so you do want marriage? Okay, interesting. It just read to me like he hadn't really thought much about what she wanted out of this process, and hadn't really cared to get to know her feelings on this very important subject. And also that he's a little put off that she has those priorities, which she's completely entitled to. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed very self... It seemed like a very self-centered way to handle the interaction to me. Yeah, I was bothered by his tone and demeanor more than the actual content. Like, I think it is reasonable to be like, I might not be able to feel comfortable proposing to someone after only getting to know each other within this very controlled setting. Like, that is a very reasonable thing. But it's weird to speak about her desires and what she might want out of this when that is the central premise here. Yeah. As like an afterthought. That's the part that bothered me, not the fact that he might not be ready for marriage after like eight weeks. I also think that like, It's really about getting from the way that he talks about it a sense of his underlying values here and, like, his underlying prioritization of something like marriage, which is 
obviously it's like a crazy situation and they're not just going to want to necessarily get married after two months of knowing each other. But the fact that he's consistently trying to like lower expectations around what he can offer instead of focusing on how much he sees in Nicole, like how excited he is about their relationship, how much he values marriage, how much he wants a long-term commitment. To me, that would kind of suggest that he is trying to set her expectations low so that he can get her to accept less than what she wants rather than kind of demonstrating how invested he is in their relationship. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it just seems yeah. like he's he's doing a little, even this the way this is playing out feels a little manipulative to me. Like, he's trying to just, like, negotiate down what she should expect from him throughout the process. Yeah, and he kind of goes back and forth on it. Like, he comes on very strong, and then he dials it back, and that's right. a he's very like, frustrating dynamic. He'll literally be like, you should be focused only on me, because you should be here for me, and this is also about me. And then he'll be like, oh, whoa, 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 two months is too fast to really think about, like, love. Not even just marriage, like love. Yeah, and he even says to Dom, I'm starting to like her. Starting to like her. And he thinks she should be focused only on him. And his his level of, of interest in her is that he is starting to like her. That is a level of excitement about someone so low that it's not even, it's several steps below the entry level steps of the journey to falling in love. Do you know how long it takes me to start liking someone a lot, like either platonically or romantically? One date or one hang. Like I'll meet someone's new girlfriend or boyfriend and I'll be like, I love them. They're amazing. It'll be like two hours in. You should at least be at, (laughs) I I really like like them. I really like them. You're only starting to like her? Get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. Nicole looks seriously annoyed by the end and of this exchange. Dom is beside himself. He's just like, <laughs> I liked Mr. Judge. I liked Mr. Holland and Mr. Hunter. Dr. Hatem, not so hot on him. And definitely annoyed at Mr. Bokikio. I should add the last thing that Mr. Bokikio said to Dom after Ms. Remy exited the conversation. Dom asked, okay, so two months is fast, but I want to know in two months, can we get somewhere? And I think this is a great opportunity to say, oh, of course, like, a lot can happen in two months. You know, marriage I take very seriously, but, you know, so much can happen in two months. And instead he says, uh, good question. Sir. What? This is the reddest of red flags. So at, at this point, it's time for a dinner party. And based on the information he has gathered at the archery event, Dom chooses several of the men to be guests at the dinner party with the family circle. He's invited Mr. Judge, Dr. Hatem, Captain Kim, Mr. Holland, and Mr. Hunter. Ms. Remy, I loved her her gown for this. It's pale pink, and there are sort of roses appliqued onto the Very the pretty. And she admits, as they all enter, uh, that she was hoping Mr. Bokikio would be there. Every time I think that she might have had a revelation that he sucks— she she's just too generous. She's still like, yeah, that was a tough conversation, but the feeling is still there. She's undaunted. The problem is she just hasn't spent that much time with that many of them. And yeah. when you feel a spark with someone, I get it. It's hard to let go of that yeah. without 
especially if you haven't really had the time with them for them to like properly disappoint you in a meaningful way. Like he said some things that are red flag like, but <laughs> I don't know. I I, yeah. I feel for her is what I'm saying. I do too. I I do too. It's frustrating to watch as as the audience, as the family. You're like, there's so many great guys here. But if you feel that spark with one person, it's not so easy to just redirect your attention. Um, so as they all sit down, she asks the suitors who are there if they have their own family dinner traditions like the Remy's do. And some interesting stories, actually. Dr. Hatem basically says that his grandpa lived in a villa in Cairo, and he didn't want his children to move away, so he would build a floor onto it for each of his children to live in with their families. And so he grew up with all of his cousins. I really wanted to see this villa. I was like, I would I like to go to this villa, live in this villa. I mean, this is goals to Have, me. I want yeah, I'm like, where does one acquire the money to just build new floors on a villa every time a new family member arrives? Like, I would love to be able to do this. <laughs> I'd love to know more about the Hatem family. Um, Mr. Hunter, I think, talks about having family Christmas dinner on the sailboat that his family lived on for a while. And then the lobster arrives. And of course, a lady mustn't sully her fingers with her own lobster. Um, I think that her brother actually says, I don't think any lady should open her own lobster. <laughs> so this is a challenge. Mr. Judge, as always, is ready to step up to to do the gentlemanly work of because cutting a lady's food for her. He is from a small town. <laughs> In a small town, you always open the ladies' lobsters for them. I was like, who's, just... who's opening the lobsters for the other ladies present? <laughs> Are they on their own? I don't know. They're not there to find love, Claire. <laughs> uh, so Mr. Judge uh, opens her shellfish. And meanwhile, trouble is brewing because Mr. Bokikio is very stressed about the bad conversation that he had with the Remy's previously. He had a not-great conversation with her parents. Now he's had a not-great conversation with Nicole and her brother, and he needs to clear the air. So he dons his shiniest top hat and heads on over to the... What, 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 what would we describe the place they live in? A castle? A manor. Manor. A manor, that seems. (laughs) He heads on over to the the manor and strolls into the dining room, unannounced, just as Mr. Judge is sharing a very emotional story about how he had a very difficult childhood um, and a difficult family upbringing, and he envies what the Remy's have and hopes to be part of something like it one day. And... He just, like, walks on in and is like, hey, uh, sorry to interrupt. And Dom is like, well, the apologies can be had outside after we eat. And Mr. Okikio is like, gotcha. Can I talk to Nicole, please? Like, Dom basically said, you need to go. Go wait outside. No, he (laughs) is not down. So Ms. Remy leaves with Mr. Bokikio. In, in an interview, Dom is like, is this okay in the Regency era to waltz in and ask for alone time with my sister? And I just have to say, it's not. 
Like, she should never be unchaperoned with any of these men. There should always be, like, a married lady with her when she's with one of the men. It's very improper. She's been ruined, like, 16 times over. They're only concerned about it, though, when it's Mr. Bokikio <laughs> doing the ruining. They're, like, in this specific circumstance, this is just beyond the pale. Well, if someone's going to ruin your sister, you want it to be, like, uh, someone you'd want her to be forced to marry, you know, <laughs> through through a special license uh, to avert scandal. You don't want it to be Mr. Bokikio. And so Mr. Bokikio sits down with Ms. Remy in the other room and explains, like, this is his trauma dump. He's like, now I decided that the time for me to share my personal tragic backstory is during a dinner party that I was not invited to. So... Let me tell you about how my mom and my dad both went through long illnesses, supported each other through their illnesses, and it made me realize what love is. And that's why I want to be really sure before I get down on one knee and make it legit. I mean, sure. Like, I understand this. Again, the issue that I'm having with him is not the fact that he doesn't want to rush into a marriage because I think that is very reasonable. Yeah. Ms. Remy, as always, is very understanding. She she weeps. She, She's the most empathetic person. And then she asks him if he could imagine falling in love with her. And he pauses for what feels like a very long time. Like, Mr. Bokikio, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have you seen the woman standing in front of, sitting in front of you? Are you kidding? You should be so fucking lucky. The fact that he has made her insecure to the point that she is asking him this question. I hate After it. he has gotten so much direct attention and so much validation from her infuriates me. Like, Same. she shouldn't have to ask that question at this point in the process. And for him to give her a response that seems designed only to stoke her insecurity by giving her the yes after looking really hesitant. It's just not a good look for me. They kiss. She's feeling happy now that he opened up to her. But after the dinner wraps up, apparently without her present, it seems like they they finished up dinner while she was still with Mr. Bokikio. Her brother and sister come to see her and ask what happened and reveal that the other men were pretty pissed, especially Mr. Judge. Mrs. Baker has now turned on Mr. Bokikio. She's like, the timing was not it. And Ms. Remy defends him. She's like, well, he takes every opportunity to show me that he cares, and I want that. I want someone who will do what they feel when they feel it. And Mr. Remy is like, there are some negatives to that. Sometimes you just maybe shouldn't do what you feel when you feel it, perhaps. That is true. Yeah. It it can show a, certainly a lack of consideration um, of other people's needs and feelings, as we've already seen. But um, meanwhile, Mr. Bokikio returns to the group smirking. He's always smirking. I think the big part of why I don't like him is the smirk. He's really pleased with himself for getting away with something. And... Immediately, he picks a fight with all the guys. He's like, I just wanted to clear the air with Ms. Remy. And Dr. Hatem says, what needed clearing up? 
And Mr. Bokikio says, none of your business. And then gets into like this little spat with Captain Kim. He's like, what do you have to say, Captain Kim? And Captain Kim says, well, we have different values when it comes to etiquette and respect for people. And Danny Bokikio says, you came here to be friends with guys. I have little cousins that complain less than you. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something that feels a little bit like he's trying to paint Captain Kim as, like, both childish and effeminate in a way. It's like, oh, you just want to be friends with guys? Not even just, like, you want to bro around or, like, you want to make friends. It is oddly infantilizing, and there is something that feels extra gross about the way that it's framed— yeah. I, I don't know. It is it is definitely a version of the I'm not here to make friends. But it is a version designed to actually be less about Mr. Bokikio and more of a negative judgment on Captain Kim. Yeah, there's a very strong implication that it's not manly to be he's interested like a whiny in being little friends baby. with guys. Right, he's a whiny little baby who just wants to hang out with his dudes. And there is something fundamentally unmasculine about that. Yeah. Uh, He says, Captain Kim, grow a pair. I'm like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just putting a little bow on top of that analysis. And uh, with that, uh, it's time for the farewell ball. Ms. Remy is once again in a very period-inappropriate, beautiful, off-the-shoulder pink gown. I enjoyed this gown. And on the dance card are Mr. Hunter, Mr. Judge, and Dr. Hatem. I was really Weird thrown choices. by these choices. Yeah. Me too. Well, and then also I was like, okay, so obviously it's Dr. Hatem going home because Mr. Hunter and Mr. Judge feel very much like they're in the they're game. They're in the mix. Still. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that she's actually starting to do more and more as she's getting more comfortable with these guys inviting onto the dance card guys who are definitely going home and guys that she just wants a little extra to FaceTime with. Yeah, which is kind of smart because it is a little bit of an intimate moment. She gets that one-on-one conversation and she also gets to see how they react to being like made to squirm a little bit. Yeah, she, like if you actually like a guy, you might actually want to hear them plead their case for why they want to stay. For example, Mr. Hunter says that he wants to show her more of her love languages, which are acts of service and physical touch. And he says, literally, I want to touch you all the time. <laughs> and would he have said that if she hadn't put him on the dance card? And would she have gotten to to have that conversation? Perhaps I, I love that Mr. Hunter was the one being like, Mr. Bokikio is taking liberties. And then he's like, in front of everyone, I will announce, all I want to do is touch you 100% of the time. He's, listen, this is like the clenched hand, the longing. He's like, I want to touch you all the time, but I must not for I'm a gentleman and you are but a maiden. I don't know, Claire. That was not the vibe (laughs) that I got, but we'll give it to him. Uh she uh, she allows Mr. Hunter, of course, to stay. Uh, in her conversation with Dr. Hatem, she says that she's concerned that he doesn't see a future with her. Apparently, her brother literally asked, like, what's your tenure plan? And he just didn't mention partnership with anyone whatsoever or, like, a family. And she tells him that she doesn't think they can get there. 
And he leaves. And he does the classic thing, which is like, wow, she's just really missing out on the beautiful, perfect life I could have provided her had she not been so blind to my personal charms. He says, I could have basically shown her a whole new world if we had become a thing. (laughs) A world she cannot see on her own. Yeah, yeah, no, she needs him. Aladdin truly ruined a generation of of men. It's true. It combines these two very uh, off-putting qualities in a mate to me. One is, like, you need me to experience life the right way or in a daring and interesting way because you can't do that on your own. And the other is, our relationship, it's a thing. We're a thing. It's like, there's no romance in it. It's just like, we're just like a thing, you know? Just a thing. Ugh, I hate that. Um, the guys really tend to go so hard in the direction of she's missing out. Like, she's really making a huge mistake. She's missing out on everything I could be giving her. Because I that's do parkour. the best way <laughs> to, like, take zero responsibility. Like, wow, sucks for her that she just can't see all of this. Everything that I bring to the table. Yeah, that I bring. Like, unfortunately for her, she's just simply blind. But yeah. moving She on. could have a life of just watching him do flips, do sweet backflips, and she, she blew it. <laughs> Mr. Judge talks very earnestly to her about how he wants what her family has, this closeness. And she says, as long as he's here, this is his family. And basically, she's just like, I just brought you down here to apologize for your time being interrupted at dinner and to say, like, I think you're amazing. Your smile, like, makes me light up. She clearly just wanted a special moment with him. Yeah. I think that Mr. Judge has become a front runner. Yeah. I did not see that coming. When he came in and he was like, our eyes met as we as we greeted each other and it was a beautiful thing. And I was like, okay, Mr. Judge, like, your days are numbered. But they do seem to have a, a bit of a spark and he's able to give her these same sort of romantic moments that Mr. Bokikio does. So after she she tells him how how she feels about him, he he's so excited, he sort of spins her. And she says, obviously, I want you here. And he sweeps her into, like, a very romantic kiss. Mrs. Baker, again, is just, like, swoon, Swoon, yeah. <laughs> She's like, okay, we've moved on from the romance of Mr. Bokikio. Mr. Judge has swooped in to save the day. I'm here for it. I'm all in. I actually think Mr. Judge brings an extra touch of, like, there's a more cinematic quality to his romance. Like, I feel like with Mr. Bokikio, you can see that he's like, all right, I got to go in for that kiss. And he, like, shoots his head forward for the kiss, you know? And Mr. Judge, like, swirls her into the kiss in this way that they look like they're on a period romance. He has more flair. Yeah, definitely. He's, like, bringing the whole package. He's like, I will romance you. I will sweep you off your feet. But I will also charm your family. Yeah. And I will really bring the romance in, like, every aspect of my game. And you have to respect that. He's been hiding away all of these skills in a town of only 800 people called Sydney in Michigan. He is truly a hero right out of a Hallmark movie. (laughs) He really is. I actually, how many Hallmark heroes are collegiate wrestling coaches? Because I think that 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 would be actually a great, a great archetype. I'd like to see that explored in a Hallmark film. And 
as the farewell ball concludes, uh, Mr. Judge and Mr. Hunter are safe. The gentlemen all kind of get a moment to mingle with the court afterward. Presumably this happens every week, but they wanted to show it this week because they're creating a little foreshadowing. So we see Mr. Chapman approach Ms. Remy and whisper to her that he really wants more time with her, that he's begging for more time with her. And she whispers back, I think we'll get some time soon. And this is going to lead us to an episode that we have seen teased a lot in the early promos, where there is a confrontation between Captain Kim and Mr. Chapman about the fact that Mr. Chapman spent unaccompanied evening time with Ms. Remy. Dun-dun-dun, it is getting spicy now that the parents are gone. It really, really is. And this is actually a moment that makes me think, Mr. Chapman, to me, is at a point where I could see him either being the Mr. Darcy or the Mr. Wickham. I agree. I agree. And And I I admit (sighs) I've watched ahead and I still don't know. Ah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it next week. Quite a cliffhanger. Next week is is the Bacchanal. They're all going to get a little racy. And and we're going to see at last this special moment with Mr. Chapman. I can't wait. And with that, we're going to take a brief break. We'll be right back to talk about the latest episode of Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like love it. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and Get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. And we are back and we are ready to talk about our new favorite show, Temptation Island. Yes. It's always so wild to go from the buttoned up courtship episodes (laughs) where it's a scandal if a man steals a kiss on the dance floor to Temptation Island where people are literally like, do you have a boner right now in the pool? Oh my God. Like, it's just You mean where people are just like every night licking whipped cream and like (laughs) sipping liquor out of the crevices of naked bodies? Everyone's trying to get yeast infections all the time on Temptation (laughs) Island. Uh, I respect their commitment to living on the edge. And we actually reopened this episode right after the previous week's bonfire. So the men and the women in relationships are like a little bit shaken. They're returning back to their villas and the single ladies and the single guys are there to comfort them and help them unwind from the stress of seeing their partners make out with other people. And Like, the single ladies are like, everyone put on swimsuits. We're doing a slip and slide. And then Luke is in the pool with a couple of the women and seems to have a boner. I don't know. (laughs) I was like, what's going on? (laughs) I loved this episode, though, because it feels like dynamics are really starting to, like, become entrenched, starting to shift. We get some little eliminations thrown in that really makes it more fun ups the stakes. I was prepared for this this. week to be more just like of the same like rinse repeat like they go on dates and act crazy and then they watch each other and are like that's exactly what I expected to see from Iris and (laughs) instead they threw a, a huge twist into this episode but first the drama with Lascelles and Trace is continuing and getting more confusing to me by the minute. Uh, He's basically taken all these steps. So basically, Lascelles came in and was like, I'm here to, like, talk to all the women, and I really like Trace, but, like, I guess I should talk to all the women. And then... seems reasonable. Seems reasonable. Trace, however, didn't like that. She's like, I want to set a boundary. I don't want to see you acting like a playboy if if you're connecting with me. And he's like, yeah, that's legit. I like you by far the most. I'm just with Trace now. And that seems like enough to clear it up to me. But instead, like now all the women are just talking about it. Except it's not all the women. It is in fact just two of the women. That's true. Liv and Alexa, who keep having the same conversation with him. Like he has told the two of them multiple times now, I'm sorry if there was confusion at the beginning. 
I was taking the time to speak to everyone, but I like Trace the best, and this is the boundary I'm setting. And they just cannot let it go. They're like, he just loves being codependent, and that's very toxic. And like, LaSalle's, you should think about what you want, unless what you want is to not be talking to us anymore. Like, it is so (laughs) batshit. It's so weird. I think at one point, Liv and Alexa were doing their little, like, drunk, like, confessional interview. And they're like, he's telling everyone he only likes Trace. And it's like, no, we get it. You like her. But, like, give everyone a chance. And I'm like, so you don't get it. Like, that's why he keeps saying that he only likes Trace is because you clearly don't get it. I did is that he did give you a chance and he's made a decision. Like, this isn't weird. This is actually how dating works. Yeah. I think they're mostly just, like, drunk in 22. That's the the overwhelming vibe I'm getting. But it is... Yeah. It is a lot, and it's to the point where, like, the other women are just like, I don't even know yeah. what's happening over there. He ends up kind of announcing to the whole group yeah. during the <laughs> slip and slide pool party, everyone, I am only romantically interested in Trace. No one else approached me. I don't even want any more friends. Please just leave me alone. It's Trace for me, and that's it. And everyone's like, oh, my God, why is he, like, being so weird? And again, I am speaking about Liv and Alexa. They're like, oh, my God, why is he being, like, so weird about this? And even this is not enough. Because the next morning, they try to re-litigate it. They try to sit him down to, like, chastise him again for not giving Alexa a chance. So bizarre. Like, three days ago. Again, it's like, you misled me. You misled me for the first few days. You just need to, like... I'm not crazy for feeling like you led me on. And, like, it's just not really fair. And he's like, I just don't understand. Like, I already apologized. And, like, that's in the past and we can't change it. So, like, can we move forward? And Alexa's like, no, we're going to have this conversation until we're both dead. I just, like, there's something so uncomfortable to me about the fact that, like, LaSalle's and Trace have made this decision to focus on each other. And these two, like, Mainly it's Alexa and Liv is just, like, her yes woman. Yeah. This, like, 22-year-old white girl is just, like, I'm entitled to his attention. I'm entitled to his interest. And, like, you're fucking not. Like, let it go. I was like, let this be a lesson. Like, this is the opposite of how you date. When someone rejects you, you are allowed to feel disappointed. But you do not get to continue to, to demand and capitalize on their attention, their time, like, you have to accept the rejection. Right. It, it, it starts to seem like she wants something completely conflicting. Like, she's like, you should have given me more of a chance, but also when you gave me a chance, that was misleading to me because then you ultimately didn't pick me. So <laughs> I think Bizarre. you just, like, need to understand that the common thread here is that he got to know you a little bit and he just wasn't interested. And you need to let him be free. You're 22. You're going to find some guys who are into you. It's not him. And (laughs) meanwhile, at the girls' villa, the partnered women are unwinding a little bit differently at first with some emotional conversations with their primary suitors. So Iris is talking to George over a dinner that he's made for her. Oh, sweet about, George. Yeah, about what Luke said. Uh, Luke, she saw Luke on, at the bonfire having a conversation with another woman about how she always brings up 
old stuff into arguments, and it's really petty. And she's like, he should be telling other girls that he feels bad that he hurt me just five months ago. And George is like, yes, how's your food? And she's like, I love it. This is great. (laughs) Jillian, on the other hand, has decided to really lean into her connection with Tommy. She's like, look, I like you. What I want is I want you in my bed, and I want some boundaries. The boundaries will be there. Unclear exactly what they will be, but there will be boundaries. (laughs) I guess, like, they're not having sex. They're just going to make out. This conversation was incredible because she's like, I want boundaries. And he's like, what boundaries? And she's like, I don't know. I have to figure that out. And he's like, let's just go to bed. And she's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries conversation, unsuccessful. Um, But it seems like they just do a fair amount of sensual cuddling. Yeah. The next morning, after this has all really set in, Hanya... Listen, we all need to look out for Hanya. He's having a hard time because Hanya is really hurt by the fact that he has cheated on Ash repeatedly and lied about it. (laughs) And that's his burden. He's the victim. mm, He comes down after looking at pictures of Ash and weeping about how badly he's treated her. He comes down still weeping. And the hot single ladies just, like, swarm him to give him hugs and be like, we love you. It's fine. What's wrong? And he's like, yeah, so the thing is, I haven't been honest. And I have slept with other people since I started dating Ash, and I have lied about it. And I'll even say, like, I've been an asshole, but I don't admit that I'm still doing it. I was losing my mind during this scene. I think I was watching this episode live, just like wildly texting Claire, like women are comforting Hanya because he cheated on Ash and is crying about what he did. Like this is, wow, being a woman is really, like being a straight woman is really fucking wild out here. You're just like primed to do emotional labor for men, for literally any reason. They're like, I guess this is, I can be single or I can try to get this guy who just admitted to me that he continually cheats on and lies about it, uh, (laughs) cheats on his girlfriend and lies about it and feels sort of bad, but that doesn't mean he's going to stop. And I don't know, this might be my best move. I'm going to go for it. Uh, Hanya's going on a real journey, I will say. Yeah, maybe uh, this is the growth that we've been hearing (laughs) happens to people on Temptation Island. Frankly, I do think Hanya could use the growth. mm. Uh, I just think that maybe his growth ultimately needs to happen without the support of women, sexually or emotionally. (laughs) Yeah, of of women who he could maybe find his way into hooking up with Yes, exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Blake is making a romantic gesture for Ashley. Uh, He knows she wants more romance. He sets up an elaborate picnic for her. And she, during this picnic, is basically like, Lascelles and I not only don't have a romantic and emotional relationship, we've never had that. Ever. And that's when I remembered that they got together when they were like 20. Yeah. And sometimes you get together and you're like, the sex is good. We like hanging out. We're doing great. And I don't know what else is out there because I'm 20. And then one day you're 27. (laughs) And you're like, am I happy? (laughs) Is this enough? And then 
Mark just ambles out onto the lawn in his Henley and his dad sneakers. I genuinely was like, someone's here to mow the lawn. <laughs> he just like is dad here, though, on a Saturday <laughs> to change the fucking game. This was amazing. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah they're being comforted. Yeah. Okay, okay. Hanya's being a big baby, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Hanya's finally, baby. Mark is here to change things up. It is a surprise elimination. Yeah. He really is, in a sense, there to mow the lawn. If you consider (laughs) the singles to be tall, tall stalks of grass. Uh, Yeah, so we start with the single guys elimination. There will be five guys leaving. That's like almost half of the crew. They're really winnowing Five guys and five girls. We see the guys elimination first. Then we see the girls elimination. But it's happening in both villas. Apparently, this is the first time that they have done it via voting among the singles, uh, instead of the women choosing which guys they want to go home, the men all have uh, little rings they put on each other's rods, which now that I'm saying it sounds very sexual. (laughs) (laughs) But it does more resemble one of those, like, toddler toys. Or like an abacus. Yeah, you put, yeah, I guess it's like an abacus. Or, or those, like, big plastic tot toys where you just, like, put the donuts on. Yeah, exactly. The, we do have a yeah. number of those yeah. in our home. Um, that, that was the vibe it was giving me. But the stakes were higher than when a toddler just puts rings on and then removes them. Because they get to vote. They each get, I think, five rings. And they get to choose. Each guy gets to choose the five guys they think should go home. Same with the women. And this really makes the stakes super interesting because they are able to then eliminate someone that potentially has a really good connection with the women. And they come for Taylor. And Ash is beside herself. She is shaking, like, weeping, just so terrified. It's so... I mean, Ash is a little extra. Yes, like, I'm like, Taylor, really? Like... Okay. I know. Aim higher. But but that's what she wants. And there is something so uh, off-putting to me about the other single guys kind of smirking as she cried because they think they're getting rid of some competition here. Uh, Like, one of the guys literally says, like, yeah, I voted for Taylor because I understand the competition aspect of it. And Ash even says, I think one of the other women is like, why are they voting? How are they supposed to know who we like and how we feel. And Ash says, they don't care who we like and how we feel. Yeah, Which, she says they don't care Great commentary on want. men. Yeah, um, pretty gross. And uh, they vote not only for Taylor, but for Brian, Andrew, Mike M, and Evan, who have made zero impression. Yeah, non-entities. And then Mark gives yet another twist, which is that the women now get to either save one of the men, swap one of them out for someone they'd like to see go home, or agree with the vote. I loved this. Immediately, all the women are like, yes, we know we're going to save Taylor. Like, they're all, like, huddled around Ash protectively. (laughs) It's so funny because the way this plays out is very different with Mm -hmm. the women and the men. Like, and both sides are are very aligned, but, like, it, it is interesting to watch. Like, the women don't even huddle together. They don't even talk. They're just like, we all know Ash is into Taylor. We're just saving him. We don't need to eliminate someone else. Taylor's staying. 
Yeah. And what we see with the 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 men, uh, the single guys voting, too, is really interesting, which is that they really did go after someone who had a very strong, like, sort of exclusive connection with one of the women. And we don't see, for example, Trace being a target or Marissa. And so when the single ladies vote, the top vote getters are Riley, Bree, Emily, Megan and Liv. I have to say, I was surprised that Alexa was not up there. Me too. I was like, she seems so unpleasant to share a house with, but maybe that's my bias from just watching this edit. It really does seem that way. I was confused by this, but it's hard to really get a sense of what the social dynamics are among the single guys and the single women because they're just not really quite the focus. And I think there is some competition aspects. Like one of the, I think Paige has been connecting with Luke and so has... Megan. And so she says, oh, I don't want a little blonde speed bump. But it's not like Megan was basically Luke's girlfriend. Like, they're just sort of all in the mix. Um, And so that that probably was a factor, but they didn't go after anyone who was really locked in. And so now the men get their choice, and they decide to do a swap. They have, like, a whole negotiation around this. I thought they did a really smart thing. They saved Megan because she is the one out of this group that one of them is really connecting with, Luke, of course. And they swap her for Alexa to just allow Lascelles to live his fucking life. Yeah, he literally, it's so funny the way they have to talk about it, though, because then Lascelles is like, I need to protect this relationship that I'm having, like, at the moment or something. (laughs) Like, this (laughs) current relationship. Um, he's like protecting his second girlfriend. Um, and yeah, you hear them have some negotiation and Hanya will be like, oh, I'd be open to like, if we keep like Liv or Megan, like I would be open to that. And like, they're, they're doing their little horse trading and then they make this, I think, yes, a good decision. And Alexa leaves complaining to the bitter end that LaSalle (laughs) should have been in love with her. And at least we don't have to deal with her anymore and neither Does anyone else? If he genuinely fucked up more, like, in a real way, I didn't see it. Like, I just don't really understand what her complaint is. But she's gone, sayonara, and we are left with a smaller group of singles for for both the men and the women. And it's time to party. So the men and the single ladies have a 70s party and just express a lot of their feelings. I think Luke ends up, like, crying in a bedroom and telling Paige that he's finally learning to embrace his emotions. And she's like, that's beautiful. And Edgar sits Marissa down to be like, my feelings for you are so genuine and it scares me. Edgar is so soft. He's just such a soft boy. boy. I really so am starting feelings. to feel like he and Jillian are definitely going to break up. I think they really the need this. to. I and mean, they should. The, I understand how hard it can be. But the fact that they both found other people that they're so into, like, within moments of being separated from each other, I'm just like, okay, so you're, like, in your early 20s and you clearly are capable of finding love again. So, like, be free. Yeah, like, be free. You're very young, Sometimes a first love can just be a first love and that's great and wonderful and can stay with you and can have its place. But you like don't need to feel obligated to stay with that person forever. I think I relate a lot to Edgar and that's something that appeals to me about him. But it's also something that 
when I really think about it, I'm like, I know it would drive me crazy in a relationship because you can't have two people like that, which is that he romanticizes romance too much. Like, he's in love with being in love. I I definitely remember being young and being like, I want to only be in love once. Like, that's so much more beautiful than being in love with multiple people. And, like, that means like it's real. Like a hussy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that means it's real. That means it's pure. You never have someone else's, like, your history with someone else in your mind. You just have your one perfect love. And, like, that's not a super healthy way of approaching dating. And it, if you both kind of approach it that way, it's also really suffocating and overwhelming um but he needs to he needs to learn that lesson that like this isn't serving him hanya meanwhile is like okay new plan i'm gonna treat karina like my girlfriend and i'm just gonna use her to learn how to be with just one woman so that i can be a better boyfriend for ash yeah, he's he's just out here um, being the selfless man he has proven himself to be. Like, Hanya, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, somehow this feels very disrespectful to both Karina and yeah, Ash. That's the thing. I was like, I can't imagine that Ash is going to be like, wow, extra points. You only fucked one woman or like only slept in a bed with one other woman while you were on this several week break from me. Now I trust you to be monogamous, even though that's not even the thing that you asked for and we're not going to be living in the same place. Like, And it's really just disrespectful to Karina unless yeah. he's like explicitly telling her, hey, to be clear, I'm planning on getting back with Ash. Uh, you're my testing ground. Right. It's very... <laughs> um, I hate Hanya so much. It's very... He's like, he's like, she's a tool that he's... She's a person. Like, it's very... You have to understand that all of these single people also have feelings and aren't just there no, for you Hanya to ride is the like one a with trial the bicycle. Yeah, Hanya is definitely Hanya the one has with feelings. all the feelings. No one else. There's no space for anyone else's feelings. Uh, yeah. So the women and the single men are having a Mardi Gras party, which Iris really dominates by embracing the side of her that loves to, as she puts it, party respectfully without worrying about Luke or, you know, disrespecting their relationship. Respectful She looks partying. like she's having a great fucking time. Yeah, mainly she's just, like, in a swimsuit, like, twerking and, like, living it up, you know? She just looks really happy. Like, yeah. She's just out here partying with all of her friends without the shame of Luke's, like, judgment sitting on her shoulder. And I just want Iris to go and be free. She's too young to never party in a swimsuit again, if that's if that's something that she's passionate about. And meanwhile, Jillian and Tommy finally kiss, and she asks him to stay in her bed again. Taylor and Ash really take things to the next level after this party. She's just as, like, all over him, basically. She's like, we can't, we don't hold back from each other after enduring the trial of the elimination ceremony and our bond has been so strengthened and so they get it on apparently it seems like they have sex they definitely have sex i didn't need to see it i don't think hanya as he does later needed to see it i remain uncomfortable with the film sex element of this the show. night the night vision is just i don't love it and yeah. claire and i were discussing this earlier it is kind of the overwhelming 
image of Temptation Island that I think put both of us off of getting into this show in the past. Even though it's actually just a small part of it and mostly seems to be used as a torture device for the other half of the original couple. And I just, I don't need it. I don't need it. The other, the like relationship dynamics are far more interesting. And I don't understand why they couldn't just have an interview of Ash being like, yeah, we fucked. Like, I don't understand why I needed to see that. Anyway, they hook up and she describes him as the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Norse god that is Taylor. He made it easy for me to give myself to him. Ash will never just say we had sex. She's going to say I gave myself to him because that's the kind of person Ash is. Uh, a lot going on in that commentary, but um, they seem very happy. She especially seems very happy. I still fail to see kind of the reciprocity. Like, he's definitely kind of devoted to her. They spend all their time together, but he's we don't really see like, him expressing the kind of affection He's just such a has. himbo. Like, yeah. I don't see the extra levels of, like, emotional processing happening. He's just like, yeah, yeah. You deserve the best. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he's put up for elimination and she's like sobbing and being like, I can't be separated from him. He's just like, yeah, it would suck to go home. But like, I knew that she was going to save me. And I was like, how did you feel about possibly being separated from Ash? Did you feel anything other than I don't want to have to leave this island resort? It's not clear to me. I continue to want more for Ash. I do also want more for Ash. And something that I just remembered that um, we do want to be better about going forward is that although the pronouns she, her are used uh, for Ash during the show, someone did point out to us that on Ash's Instagram profile now, the pronouns that they're using are they, them. So moving forward, we are going to use they, them when referring to Ash. Apologies that that didn't make it into the first half of this recap. It literally just entered my mind and I forgot to make a note about that. Um, So yeah, we will be better about that moving forward in this conversation and future. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up and thank you to listeners for notifying us um we're gonna definitely be better about that going forward um but let's talk about bonfire day um or night it's time for everyone to see what their partners have been getting up to on the other side of the island and the men do have their bonfire first we see ashley this is ashley of ashley and lascelles and then it's ash of ash and hanya yeah telling blake that her relationship never had that emotional connection. And LaSalle's takes this in and, and is like, yeah, that's true. She's never really seen me that emotional because when I'm with her, I, ne- I never lock in on what I feel. I'm focused on just making her happy. And Mark Wahlberg, Mr. Therapist, very helpfully points out that they say you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. And LaSalle's is, is like, yes. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this, though? It feels like... LaSalle's constantly is almost blaming his own selflessness for all of his failings in his relationship with Ashley. Like, every time he's like, yeah, she is right. 
And it's just because I've given up so much for her that I can't access any emotions. And I'm like, I'm sure that that is true, but also, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It feels very like I just worked too hard. Like yeah. the way, you know, you frame yourself positively in a job interview. I feel like we're seeing this with Luke also. And to me, it seems like just two guys who are sort of imprisoned by their own conceptions of masculinity and what what a male yeah. partner's role is. And that does take away from both people because, uh, you know, not only is he then in a position of being like, I'm not actually giving her what she needs. I'm not giving her the emotional connection that she wants. But it then puts her in the position of being, like, the reason for it. Like, she needs me to be right. strong. I can't be emotional because I'm busy taking care of her. And it's not clear that Ashley specifically extracted or demanded, demanded that from that him. Or if it's just the way that he conceives of his role in a relationship because of, like, male, male yeah. archetypes. I guess I wish that, like, he had the ability to kind of reflect on on that and just n- not blame her You know, it's part of the journey. And by the end of Temptation Island, they're all going to be throwing away, you know, their, their <laughs> dated misconceptions of what masculinity and femininity mean. And, you know, I think it's going to be beautiful. I want that for them. Uh, speaking of Luke, Luke... <laughs> sees Iris doing some some grinding with the guys at Mardi Gras, being crowned Mardi Gras queen. And he says that he's just happy that she's letting loose and being herself and growing, and that he's also focusing on himself. And then he starts weeping and is like, I'm happy I can finally feel emotions. That This made me so bummed out. I was like, this is the uneven playing field uh, that the gender binary causes between men and women that like literally men reach their almost thirties and are like, if only I could access a single emotion other than rage, that would be a real breakthrough for me. Like we are not starting on an even ledge here. Not, not at all. And I think that, you know, Luke will express a little bit more at times He's going back and forth, right? Like, sometimes he'll say, like, Iris doesn't make me feel safe to, like, express my feelings because she's always just talking about how I texted other girls. And other times he'll say, like, I'm worried I'm not going to get there quickly enough for Iris. I know I need to be more emotionally open. And I think maybe we'll see more of that with LaSalle's. But I think— Yeah, I do think that Luke is is having some moments of real reflection. And we're seeing that mixed in with defensiveness, which, look, is a very human— Yeah way to deal with And it's criticism, true that, like, just but, because men are emotionally constipated through their upbringings and through society, that doesn't mean that women are all perfect partners. And I'm sure that they all have valid complaints about oh, their partners. Oh, absolutely not. But it is interesting to see how many of the guys came in with this baked-in complaint that's just like, she always wants me to express my feelings, and it's, like, so annoying. Like, leave me alone. And then they're like, oh, but I do like expressing my feelings, actually. Yeah, they're like, wow, there seems to have been a lot... <laughs> bottled up and repressed in there and like damn it feels good to just let some of it out and more than even like being a criticism of these particular dudes it just like made yeah. me sad for in a weird way boys. it reminded me of that sort of trope like almost like a tv or 
movie trope of like the guy who like goes to a sex worker just to like cry basically or like open up because like without that that sense that they need to present as like a strong partner or husband or father that they can finally access those feelings and that maybe the fact that they're not actually in relationships with these women right now allows them to have a little bit more of that. I I don't know. It's, 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 it's sad. It's, it's hard for the women also to like be the training ground for them in return for so little. And yeah. Um, Let's talk about Edgar. He sees Jillian making out with Tommy uh, against a wall in bed He's very emotional. He looks sick. He says that for the past year and a half, he's felt like he loved her more than she loved him. And he doesn't feel like all the time and love he's focused on her is reciprocated. I just want to know the timeline because isn't that like sort of when he cheated on her? (laughs) Yeah, like, dude, you cheated on her. I really feel like Edgar's romanticism really prevents him from reflecting. Like all of these men, my main complaint is like, you're, you're saying some true things. You're realizing some true things. Maybe these relationships are not meant to last. But also, you need to take more responsibility on yourselves. Like, Edgar, you cheated on Jillian. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's true that, like, if you stay together, you eventually have to let that go, right? But I Absolutely. think that you're also right that, like— by framing himself as, like, the perfect loving partner, the one who's really invested, the one who's really committed, he doesn't have to really reckon with the fact that he's not been a perfect partner and that he does hasn't always made her feel safe in their relationship. Like, it's so easy if you just think that you value love more than anything else to be like, well, obviously I'm an amazing partner. I value love so much. And like, that doesn't mean that you're actually good at taking care of your partner. I also feel like it's a kind of extreme statement to say, he says, quote, I don't know Jillian. I don't know who she is anymore. And I don't want that anymore. And to me, that just smacks of like, oh, she has the ability to disrespect me by making out with another man. Like she's like, I can't even look at her anymore. And meanwhile, he's like reading love poems to a new woman and treating her like his girlfriend. So, But he feels so bad about it all the time. And I think that he thinks that that makes it Okay, like he wants to stay in touch with his relationship by having all these conversations with Marissa where he's just processing how guilty he feels that he's also into Marissa. And Jillian is just making out with Tommy. She's not being like, Tommy, uh, Tommy, I feel so bad because I I love Edgar and I'm so confused. You know what I mean? Like he's like she's having this moment of pure enjoyment with another person and none of it is about processing her guilt that I'm out there somewhere. That's what she should be doing. Uh, Hanya sees the clip of Ash apparently having sex with Taylor. And again, he's just like, yeah, no, this uh, sucks. I don't want this. I don't want an open relationship. I've been taking Ash for granted. And he basically is like, when I'm with a woman, I need to be present for that woman and not thinking about other women I'm sleeping with when I'm with that woman I love. <laughs> like, Hanya, I was really with you for the first half. And then you were like, but I will just be sleeping with multiple women. I feel- and it's even though I don't want an open relationship. What? I feel like he must be trying to say that I need to just be with one woman and not like, have a bunch of other women that I'm paying attention to. Yeah. But, like, why would you phrase it in this very specific way that 
sounds like you're simply saying I need to compartmentalize better so between funny. my girlfriend and my side pieces. <laughs> it's such a it's like he can't get away from it. It's incredible. And then we move on to the women's bonfire and we actually start with Ash who sees Hanya tearfully confessing to some of the single women that since he started dating Ash, he has slept with other people. And Ash's reaction to this is so interesting. Mostly, Ash says they're simply relieved to know that they're not stupid. They're like, yeah, I kind of sensed that he had been cheating on me, and I'm glad to just realize that I'm not, in fact, crazy. Yeah. And Margas of Hanya is growing, and they say, well, I hope he's growing, but he's not getting back the same ash either, because the blossoms on my tree are growing fruit, and he is just starting to blossom. Oh, Ash. Uh, <laughs> ash, ash is so Ash. Is truly the most Ash at all times, and I love that for them. Iris sees Luke crying to Paige, confiding about becoming more open and accessing his emotions. Iris uh, says that she's proud of him and she's also learning to value being her own individual and feeling free. The women seem like relatively just like unbothered by what their men are up to. They're just like, oh, actually being in this relationship was such an exhausting burden. Ashley sees LaSalle telling Trace that he and Ashley need to like take a break if they leave the show together. And he needs to explore his individual development more. And she also sees him making this announcement that he's only interested in Trace. And Ashley seems fine. I was kind of expecting a really intense emotional reaction to this. And she's like, well, if he needs a break, then uh, yeah, because I have to figure myself out. They truly do seem to have grown around each other so much that they both really need to, like, to the point that I'm like, Ashley doesn't even seem to clearly know what she wants from LaSalle's. Like, if he proposed, she'd be really happy and cry, but also if he wants to a break, then that, that that's fine. You know, like, there isn't, like, I don't have a clear sense of what Ashley wants out of their relationship. And I think that they agree on that, and that's why they're trying to do something kind of radical to shake things up, because both of them, I think, see that they aren't quite sure how they each exist without the other one, and that, I can imagine that would feel extremely unsettling. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, just being in a long-term relationship can be a really cool and beautiful thing, but I feel so intensely set on maintaining my own personhood within that. And I think if I woke up seven years into something, it was just like, what do I want? Who am I? What are my interests? What are (laughs) the things I want to do? Like that is a scary place to be in. And I want them to figure whether or not they stay together. Like I, I want them to figure out who they each are. When you're so young, I do feel like you can just kind of grow into a certain shape. when you're 20. Like, that's very different than meeting someone at 30. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And Jillian finally sees Edgar just doing an interview and addressing her directly, saying, Jillian, what the fuck? If you're not in this, why did you drag me all this way? I love you, but if you don't love me, then leave me alone. Leave me the fuck alone. This was an interesting choice for me. I'm always intrigued by which. Some of them are really obvious, like Taylor and Ash hooking up. A lot of the time, I think maybe I would have chosen a different scene that I saw to show the other partner. It it interested me that they chose this. 
Me too. I feel like they were looking to rattle Jillian. Yeah. And again, it's interesting. She seems very self-aware. She's like, I hate to see him in so much pain. I feel really guilty. I feel like I've been dishonest with myself and therefore dishonest with Edgar. And like, she basically says, like, I don't actually want a future with him. Yeah. That's big. Like, you guys are done. It's over. You know what? Great. Great. (laughs) Go, both of you, be free. Live your lives. You're so young. It is. Jillian is 21. She's so young. She doesn't need to be with Edgar for the rest of her life. I think that the more I think about it, it makes sense that they chose this clip because they've been showing her different kinds of clips. And this is the first thing that's really rattled her, like you said. Like, we've seen her receiving video of him reading romantic poetry to another woman completely unruffled. And she laughed. She laughed. Yeah, we've seen we've seen her really take things in without being bothered. And this is a different kind of moment, and it's the first thing that really hits home for her. Because she does love him, and she doesn't want to make him feel like this. Yeah. And I think that really hit her. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is the first... I I think that that really speaks to the fact that she doesn't want to be with him anymore. That, like, it doesn't bother her to see him with another woman, but it bothers her to be sort of confronted with holding on to him. That makes her feel guilty. Exactly. Yeah, it's time for them to to part ways. Watch them, like, be married by the time the show is done. I don't don't know. They better (laughs) break up. I, I need that for them. And that brings us to the end of the episode uh, with all of them receiving this information, continuing their growth in these relationships and individually. I just don't even know where this season is going to take me next. This show is really keeping me on my toes. I am excited. I'm excited to see where these couples land. I'm excited to see where Nicole Remy lands. I'm just like having a lot of fun with these off-season watches. Yeah, it's really adding uh, adding some new flavors to the palette from from our usual exclusive Bachelor diet. Uh, and I think that that brings our episode to a close. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to any friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for shows you'd like to see us cover in the Bachelor offseason. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma pod. And you can find our newsletter rich text on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more gossip and more on the courtship and Temptation Island. You're probably already familiar with Vogue. You know, the publication that has given audiences an exclusive inside look at fashion and cultural moments for more than 100 years. You can expect no less from Vogue's podcast, The Run-Through with Vogue. Meet the influential people behind the scenes of fashion's greatest moments, from designers and creative directors to Vogue editors and the woman behind the infamous Vogue closet. Get inspired while listening to the creative processes of people like author Zadie Smith, 
fashion designer Tori Birch and uh, recent star of the Super Bowl, Usher. Go beyond the pages of Vogue with The Run-Through, available wherever you get your podcasts. 